Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. I'm your host Jim Grant here on Bexhill Radio for the next hour. Coming up on today's show, as usual, the various reasons and factual information as to why a second lockdown would be a very bad idea. We're going to be looking at from a variety of angles, looking at the new government torture bill, the average age of the coronavirus people that have died, uh, various resistance to the lockdowns from around the country, MPs getting a pay rise and other things here on Beyond the News. Thank you very much listeners. I should say I got a message from the station manager this week saying that the show's now hitting an average of 500 people a day. So seeing as it's the same show every day beginning uh, on Saturday all the way through for seven days I can't imagine anyone wanting to listen to this show twice so I assume that that's now reaching about 3,500 a, a week which is nice thanks for that and I don't say that because I'm like oh listen people they're listening to me oh isn't that wonderful oh I might be recognized oh I might be famous nope no it means pretty much seeing as I'm not entertaining or funny or you know I'd like to be but right now uh, I'm trying to ring the last orders bell and the last orders bell isn't the the bell that's now ringing at 9.30 around every pub in this country uh, to pe- for people to say no more ordering of booze it's for me saying that we're doing away last orders for our freedoms and prosperity here our economic prosperity our rights to live as a free human being and make choices about who we socialise with and when and that's something that unites every race, religion, colour, creed, sexual orientation is the right to want to be free because those are the things that make life worth living. So, uh, and you're certainly not going to be listening for the slick presentation here. I've never edited any of these shows because I don't know how to use the software. I could probably learn, but I'm too busy researching about how we're having our civil liberties eroded in a manner not seen for generations uh, worldwide as well as in this country. I'd also love to be doing more stories about swearing parrots, but I think this is important to ring the alarm bell right now and to to hear that the listenership is, uh, that's a massive jump on last month's numbers, um, would suggest that you're listening for that. I mean, uh, there's no editing. You've heard me stammer, stummer, go dead air as I try and think what to say next. Uh, I think there's been a couple of burps as well, Uh, one of which just came out, I remember it, uh, there's nothing I'd do about it, one of them we'd call it, and the second was I just got so relaxed having a whinge that I forgot where I was. So the only reason you're going to be listening to this show is because you want, you're like me, I think you want to have your freedoms and you're very concerned about the way this country is going, so please share whatever method you're listening to this broadcast on please share it to others that you think may benefit from the factual information from the mainstream sources that i'm bringing you here because from what i'm aware these stories aren't really resonating much on the tell lies vision screens around britain so uh, and we're not ofcom regulated here thank goodness so you're going to get uh, in my opinion a more accurate um well you're Well, you'll get an unregulated opinion by definition, won't you? An unregulated opinion. I am a humble news repeater monkey, and I am grateful to you listening right now and the other 499 listening right now on whatever time of the day that it goes out twice a day at Bexhill. It chops and changes what times. uh, I don't know. They go out week to week, but uh, there's 14 opportunities to catch me. And if not, you can get the back catalogue on the Bexel website the first seven and I will be putting up the rest on other podcast platforms such as Spotify. I thought I did but a friend of mine had problems trying to find anything other than the first episode so I shall find out what's happened there and do my best to to fix that here today. So coming, oh I should tell you before I start, seeing as there are now 500 listeners a day I'm thinking one of you might want to give an opinion on my moaning so you can email me now at beyondthenews at protonmail.com. That's uh, encrypted email out of Switzerland. So I'll give that again. That's beyondthenews at protonmail.com. 
at least I think that's his. I haven't had any emails yet. I only set the account up yesterday. We shall see. Um, well, it will be interesting. Whenever I read, um, whenever you get an essay, an essay email from anyone on feedback on anything, it's um, it's always negative, so I don't bother with them. But what I call the crap sandwiches, they're always the interesting emails where they go, I like this, not so keen on that, perhaps you could tweak that a little bit. Oh, but that's good what you do. That's a really effective way of um, getting a point across to someone, certainly works on me. So, uh, but the whole... I hate you because of this, 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 and this. You never do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. This reminds me of bad things in my life that have happened. This, 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 and this, and this, and this. You should definitely listen to everything I take on board because I'm such a happy person. Those sort of emails, that's what the delete button's for. So, and I don't say that point of view of arrogance because I don't think I'm better than them. But by reversing that, they're not better than me. So um, why take on board one person's, you know, we all know that there's, if you take a sample population size of the population, you're going to get some happy people, some positive people, and then the bell curve, and most people in the middle average, and then down the other end, you're going to get some really negative energy vampires, and, you know, those people do like to send those emails, don't they? So. <laughs> anyway, I've read it, I've given the email out now, see what happens. Or you could just not bother, I don't, I don't really mind. So, but I thought 500 a day. What I'd really like to hear is, uh, people like, oh, this is an interesting article, Jim. Did you know about this? That would interest me. That that's I like learning, so that would be useful. That would be like a a two-way information system. Then that would be pretty cool. I'd like that. So just make certain it's a mainstream um, article because I think that the truth is there now for all to see. I, I think I've painted enough pieces of the puzzle together on the last thirteen episodes of this show to say no, I don't think we should have another lockdown, and here's why. And I think that's all based in science and fact that I've broken through there. So, yeah, it's a question of getting that information through to people now because some of this stuff, they go, did you know this? And they'll just look at you like you just said you're a space alien from Mars and you just read the article to me. You see their eyes go like, oh, television hasn't told me this. So anyway, that's why I'm here. So our first article here tonight uh, as ever, the unscripted me, I think last episode I went on and said, oh, I mustn't forget the Sweden one because I'm always referring to that. And then I ran out of time and forgot the Sweden one. See, if I had an edit button, I could have gone and done that, couldn't I? I could have edited out 10 minutes of something or other or five minutes or whatever and just put this in and made myself look more professional. But I didn't because I'm not. This is from Felix Allen from The Sun, not my favourite newspaper for people in Liverpool, I'm sure know that why cover and out <laughs> so funny lockdown free sweden could have beaten coronavirus by achieving herd immunity top expert says again i don't go for the cult of personality so if i like some information that someone i don't like is giving i'll give it to you there's another example of that later with andy burnham i'm not i don't really like a lot of what andy burnham's done but i love what he's doing anyway i'll come to that lockdown free swear it's funny because i go I put my hand in my air when I do that, like you know, like I would in on stage or something like that. Forgetting that this isn't being filmed in any way. Waste. Just natural to me. Lockdown free Sweden is beating coronavirus, and there is evidence the epidemic could already be over. A leading expert says that would be nice to hear that out of our BBC, wouldn't it? That'd be, oh, that's oh, nice, isn't it? Oh, good. Good things can go back to normal. But in Sweden, of course, they will naturally go back to normal because they didn't do anything in the first place. So the people that have had the least amount of economic impact have uh, gone back to normal as quickly as possible because they're always normal and they've got herd immunity. Try and tell me again how that's a bad idea. So, um, you know, and of course it would be different if loads of people in their country died and they didn't in ours. We haven't had any deaths from it. I'd, I'd get that point of view. But uh, that hasn't really happened, has it? Scientists believe the policy of refusing to shut the country down helped build herd immunity and prevent a second wave. Or oh, what are the odds of that? It's almost, it's almost like it's common sense that we knew, isn't it? Weird. Sweden now has its lowest number of cases since March, with just 28 infections per 100,000 people. That is less than, less than half the UK's infection rate of 69 per 100,000. That is, of course, assuming that the tests work, and go see my previous broadcast about what I think of them. Oh, no, what, not what I think of them, about what scientists around the world have recorded scientific data to show what they think of them. 
France's rate is seven times higher than Sweden as the second wave hits, and in Spain it is ten times higher. Sweden has kept infections low despite being the only nation in Europe now to introduce tough lockdown measures in the spring. Uh, so, did I say that right? In Europe, not to introduce. Um, <laughs> key little word there. It's amazing, isn't it? One word you leave out, it changes everything. Professor Snepen, an expert in the spread of coronavirus at the Niels Bohr Institute in Copenhagen, has concluded Sweden might be beating the pandemic. He said there is some evidence that the Swedes have built up a degree of immunity to the virus, which, along with what else they are doing to stop the spread, is enough to control the disease. Perhaps the epidemic is over there. He added, that is what they have said. On the positive side, they may now be finished with the epidemic. So, of course, you know, governments always put spins on things. So, uh, but anyway, looks good, doesn't it? The numbers are looking all right. So, um... Sweden was heavily criticised after the outbreak. See, that's why I should edit out me drinking water, but I don't, do I? <coughs> <coughs> Never speak before the water's finished. That's my, that, that's my own lesson. That's my desire to, to read you this information as quickly as possible and get through as many articles as possible. As its mortality rate spiked to five times that in Denmark and ten times Norway and Finland. And although deaths were high, peaking at 115 a day in April, more than half were in care homes. Uh, there's an article about the average age I'll be reading out later, assuming I don't get caught in rambling before then. Now daily deaths are around zero. I'll read that again. Daily deaths around zero. You've got to ask yourself, is it like a, a mass death pandemic? An epidemic? Or is it a test-demic? Are the hospitals overrun? Well... No, not at the moment. Doesn't seem to be. Right, right. But but we've got loads of test results. Right. So we've got a test-demic. People are ill. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, people, people have got ill for every human century on this planet. Uh, uh, you're really sneezing hard. Well, all right then. Let's lock the entire lockdown. Put that back in place, let's close everyone down at 10pm, uh, restrict everyone's rights to free movement and see their loved ones and uh, the old, we've got to do it to protect the old people so that they can uh, spend their last years in total isolation away from their loved ones. And don't forget, because of articles coming up about sending the, you know, the do not, you know, do not resuscitate orders as well. Oh, we care about them so much, don't we? And ice call health chief Anders Tegnell is is that another joke from the Sun? Wonderful is now a national hero for resisting the damaging lockdown scene elsewhere. I like him. I like him. Yeah, good for you. Please, please uh, come over to this country and um, oh anyway. Schools, pubs, and gyms stayed open, and voluntary guidance was given for communities to work from home and avoid public transport. The economy has shrunk 7% compared with the 20% shocked in the UK. And don't forget, I would imagine, I don't know how much, but because I'm no expert, but just common sense tells me that some of that 9% would be as a result of the in every other country locking down and not them, you know, so supply chains breaking down, so things. Do you know what I mean? If everyone did a Sweden, I think the world rate would be lower than 9% because they'd all be able to trade with each other kind of thing. Do you know where I'm going with that? But I have no idea how much it would reduce it by, but I think it's common sense to make that point. So you, I think realistically, worldwide, you would have a lower than 9% compared with 20%. Shocked in the UK. Tegnell has also resi resisted ridiculous face mask laws, saying there's very little evidence they are effective and very few Swedes wear them. Some scientists say the approach has paid off in the long term with raised immunity in the population. Imagine that. Because many younger people have already had it, it is believed the virus now has a less chance to spread in the way it is causing spikes across Europe. A recent study suggested an infection rate of 43% could be enough for herd immunity, much lower than the usual figure cited of 60%. Professor Tom Britton of Stockholm University said just 20% immunity makes a pretty big difference because those infected at the start of the epidemic were the most susceptible to the coronavirus and the most socially active. Another study in August by the Karolinska Institute found immunity may be higher than estimated by antibody tests. Many people who test 
negative for antibodies, could still have a high level of immunity through white blood cells that hunt down and destroy the virus. Others warn it is too early for Sweden to declare victory over the virus. The majority of people are still following social distancing guidelines which will slow transmission. I don't think it can already be ruled out that Sweden will also have a flare-up, said Professor Alan Randrup Thompson of Aarhus University. I hope I pronounced that right and not inadvertently broken any swearing laws. Britain's health chiefs have warned COVID cases could hit 50,000 a day by mid-October if infection cases, if infections keep doubling every seven days. COVID cases, not illnesses or deaths. Interesting the word used there. But others say we are more likely to follow the trend in France and Spain as extra restrictions slow the spread. Really? Slowing the spread like it did in Sweden, where there were no restrictions. All right, that's enough of that one. Uh, and people often say it's a different culture in Sweden. Well, here's another article for you. Let's get rid of the uh, advert for you. This is an article from Yahoo News, or at least I thought it was. Oh. That's irritating. That has that's failed to load the right link. Anyway, uh, right. What it was going to be about was how they didn't do a lockdown in South Dakota, and they've had things pretty good as well. That's quite an important one, really. So I'll see if I can dig that back up from the uh, from the archive at some point. But anyway, in the meantime, let's go on to the next one of. So again, we could do with an edit button there, can we? Our next article here tonight, Cabinet debating whether to close hairdressers and leisure venues under traffic light system. Um, let's not bother with any of Sweden's things. Let's uh, close down the economy and erode people's civil liberties and rights to make a living. Uh, that's got to be the best way, isn't it? 8th of October by Harry York. This is from The Telegraph. It comes as Boris Johnson prepares to set out the latest lockdown restrictions within days. So again, this is the being recorded on the 15th of October, so this would have been just after last week's show. I always try and record them as late as I can on the Friday so that we get as much up-to-date news as possible. Uh, but also, you know, you'll get stuff that's about a week old or, you know, six days and 12 hours old kind of thing. Our next article here tonight... Uh, like I said, I don't get into the cult of personality. I don't judge them on their personalities. Certainly not what they say or promise. <laughs> I judge politicians on their actions. So um, I like this one at the moment. By Manchester Evening News, Paul Britton, 8th of October again. We are not going to let them carry on like this. Andy Burnham blasts disgraceful government plans to shut pubs and restaurants across the north. Good for you. There comes a point where you say, we can't go on, we are not having this anymore. To be honest, just being told what our fate is through newspaper briefings. The mayor of Greater Manchester... Oh, no, scroll down too far. Uh, just check that. Andy Burnham says he fears the government is now treating Greater Manchester in the north with contempt after details of possible enhanced coronavirus restrictions were leaked. Treating the whole country with contempt, mate. Go and look at Hancock's smug face. That's contempt right there. Ministers are said to be considering closing pubs, bars and restaurants next week in response to rising COVID-19 cases across the region. Details emerged in a newspaper late on Wednesday evening. The Mayor of Greater Manchester revealed he had discussions with ministers including Health Secretary Matt Hancock to marvel, I haven't sworn the amount of times I have to look at Matt Hancock's smug face reading out articles on this show. I'm proud of that achievement. I may have burped, but I haven't sworn. During which the reported tier system of enhanced measures was raised, but Mr Burnham accused the government of a lot of nodding but no comeback ahead of the report surfacing last night. He said government was losing the dressing room. Speaking on a BBC radio Manchester phone-in, Mr Burnham said, I've been having discussions with ministers this week and at no point did somebody say, we are 
closing all hospitality in the north of England on Monday. So what's the point, you ask yourself, of having those discussions if they are not going to be honest with us and you have to read it in the newspaper late at night? There comes a point where you say, you know, we can't go on. We're not having this anymore, to be honest. Just being told what our fate is by the government through newspaper briefings. So there is going to have to be change. If the government wants our support and things, we are not going to let them carry on like this. Mr Burnham said the government hasn't presented us with a plan of what to do. Not, not like in Sweden, despite the newspaper reports. So he added, so if you are to have a meaningful conversation with the government, they should say, here's the detail, here's the evidence for it, because this is what's going on and you know, have a discussion about it. But none of that happens. Like a dictator. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? You ask yourself, what, what are the classic signs of uh, a dictator and other such things? Um, I wonder if it's going to be along the lines of some of the articles. I'll, again, I want to read out. But it hasn't seemed to have loaded. Thank you for that. Lovely. Right, let's see if I can load that up again. This is about the new uh, bill that's just being passed through, and there's been a number of resistance to it from um, from a variety of MPs and things. Uh, but this uh, would really be sort of classical tyranny, really. Uh, I'm. That's really taking a while to load this article. That is irritating. Ah, here we go. Here at last by Lizzie Dearden, The Independent, MPs vote against attempt to ban undercover agents from committing murder, torture and rape. I'll just read that again. MPs vote against attempt to ban undercover agents from committing murder, torture and rape. Ah. MPs have voted, yeah, the House of Commons rejected an amendment that aimed to limit the kind of crimes that can be authorised under a new law. A law making crimes legal. Hmm, what sort of government does that? Hmm, it's that D word again. It's that D word in implementing the F word, the dictators implementing fascism. Oh, I wonder, you know. Who, them saying who we can and cannot see. Remember, the, the virus has got a 99% survival rate. So them dictating, and alternatives who haven't locked down that are doing just fine, better than us, and more than twice as better than us. Um, remind me again on that little checklist of fascism. Secret police that murder, torture, rape, curfews, government arbitrarily saying... You know, one or two people saying that now the country does this at a moment's notice, like Andy Burnham was saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, censorship, of course. Uh, we're going to be covering that later on in the show. Facebook uh, worldwide. A number of people bought, taken off of Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one rule for them, another for you. That's another little classic checklist, isn't it? On the tick book of tyranny. Tick box of tyranny, I should say. Anything else I've missed? Do let Boris Johnson know. He'll, uh, he'll put, fill in that little niche if he's missed one. But I'm, I'm not even being facetious here. Listen to this. The House of Commons rejected an amendment that aimed to limit the kind of crimes that be authorised under a new law. The Covert Human Intelligence Sources Criminal Conduct Bill went on to pass its third reading by 313 votes to 98 sending the unamended legislation off to the House of Lords for further scrutiny. It would allow public authorities ranging from police and MI5 to HMRC and the Food Standards Agency to authorise agents and informants to commit crimes while undercover. Right, you need to investigate that Food Standards Agency. Yep, go and rape as many people as you like. That'll do the job. No, we're not fascist at all. We love you, we're your loving government. The proposed authorisations would not only be issued in the interest of national security or preventing the detecting crime, but also, not their crime, obviously, not that, though, other rapists, not our rapists. We don't want to detect those crimes, we want to legalise those, but also preventing disorder. <laughs> Can't have disorderly rape now, can we? 
and in the interest of the economic well-being of the United Kingdom. Of course, this is a, an absolutely horrific subject, and I don't know any other way to get that across without pointing the ludicrous, um, terrible nature of it. This is awful. This is awful. I, I, we fund that with our taxpayer money. That's Our taxpayer money could be... It's awful to think about. This is a terrible, terrible thing. So I'm not ever making light of any um, rape victims. And if you've gone through that ordeal and listening to the show, I'm terribly sorry if this article is bringing back any bad memories for you. I, I, I just don't want... I, this is terrible. Not in my name, with my taxpayer money. This is terrible. I, uh, awful. An amendment tabled by Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer would have stopped the authorisation of serious offences including causing death or bodily harm, torture, violating the sexual integrity of a person in detention. It was defeated by 317 votes to 256 on Thursday. Conservative former Minister David Davis, who proposed a similar amendment, pointed out that allies, US and Canada, have specific limits on the crimes their agents can commit. He said the amendments would give the intelligence services the protections they need but short, but stop short of giving them the carte blanche authorization to carry out the heinous crimes in the name of the state that have happened, have happened too often in the past. So this is, you know, their way of saying, well, we kind of done it, but this time we're we're going to make certain we don't get in trouble for it. What more do we need? Can you see the pieces of the puzzle being put on the chessboard? Yeah, but he denied that it was a license to commit any and all crimes because of human rights low laws, codes of practices. Uh, so James Brokenshire, the security minister, told MPs that the bill would have make authorised crimes lawful for all purposes and no crime will have been committed. But he denied that it was a license to commit any and all crimes. So uh, we'll see, or maybe not, because uh, these things are usually done in secret detention centres, aren't they? So if people start disappearing, remember that article. And this is it from a different angle from Yahoo News. MPs pass new security law amid fears it gives undercover agents licence to kill. George Martin, Yahoo News, 6th of October. MPs have voted overwhelmingly in favour of a new security bill despite human rights charities warning its risks authorising crimes like torture and killing. Doesn't mention rape in this article, I don't think. So, yeah, who knows what's going on there. But I just wanted to bring you that information to know that it's it's out there there. And um, what's the first thing you think of when when your MPs are passing bills to, to torture and kill people? I'm presuming it's their own citizens as well, if it's the police and food standards agency, wouldn't you? Uh, what's the first thing you do when you hear that? You think, good job, son. Give yourself a pay rise. That's what they've done. MPs to get 3,300 pay rise. That's 3,300. As coronavirus puts millions of jobs at risk. James Hockaday, Friday the 9th of October, the Metro. MPs are set to get a pay rise of 3,300 next year, despite coronavirus wreaking havoc on the UK economy. The Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority proposed their wages should continue to be linked with the public sector three-month annual growth figure of 4.1%, which is likely to exceed inflation. What was the number we read out on the shrink to the UK economy of 20%? Uh, but the public sector apparently has gone up 4.1%. It re uh, Independent, yes. Right, yes, we're very independent. Uh, right, the majority of people, the peasants, 20% down for you. Uh, the people that rule them, that want to kill, torture and rape them, 4.1% increase. Well done. Thank you. See you next year. Done. Our next article here tonight. This is by news.com.au. And I think I saw this from a variety of sources. This is by October the 12th. So Boris Johnson and Hancock are telling you this all needs to be done. And who is behind us and all that kind of stuff. Well, did you hear about this? Who backflips on virus stance by condemning lockdowns? And this is October the 12th. So a few days ago now. Lockdowns have been used to control the coronavirus around the world. Now a WHO official has questioned the success of them. Oh, did they speak to someone in Sweden by any chance? Or maybe South Dakota? 
Dr. David Nabaru from The Who appealed to world leaders yesterday, telling them to stop using lockdowns as your primary control method of the coronavirus. He also claimed that the only thing lockdowns achieved was poverty, with no mention of the potential lives saved. Don't forget all the misdiagnoses in cancer, Dr. Nabaru. I'm in fair play, I agree with every word you've said, but you've forgotten about that. Lockdown, they, they did achieve that very well, I'd say. Uh, lots of people going without their usual health care. I think achieved that a great deal. So lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never ever belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer, and sick people uh, a bit sicker, and very sick people dead. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of the control of this virus. Did you hear that, Mr. Hancock? Did you hear that, Mr. Johnson? Of course not. I doubt you're one of the 500 listeners to this show, or if you mistakenly tuned in, you'd have tuned out by now. I'm sure of it. So I'll just read it again. We are in the World Health Organization. Do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus, Dr. Nabaru told The Spectator. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganise, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted, but by and large, we'd rather not do it. Well, that was what we were told, a couple of weeks to flatten the curve, and here we are back in October, and still, I don't know anyone that's... uh... I know people that die of flu and pneumonia each year, maybe like one, you know, every other year or something like that, and you, you know... And uh, or you hear of someone that knows of someone that does that, uh, and I've heard that this year. So yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of someone that's died, but I hear of someone that's died of stuff like that most years. And every year, you know, for a while, Dr. Nabari's main criticism of lockdowns involved the global impact, explaining how poor economies that had been indirectly affected. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry in the Caribbean, for example, or in the Pacific, because people aren't buying their holidays. Not to mention many small business owners in countries around the world, including this one. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition. Yeah, don't forget all the problems to the food supplies. Um, Melbourne's lockdown has been hailed as one of the strictest and longest in the world. In Spain's lockdown in March, people weren't allowed to leave the house unless it was to walk their pet. In China, authorities wielded doors shut to stop people from leaving their homes. The WHO thinks these steps were largely unnecessary. Yes, however bad uh, Johnson is and Hancock is, uh, they're still not as bad as the people that run the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but I imagine it started to get that way in China when they started to make it all legal to torture their citizens and harvest the organs and all that kind of stuff. All lawful, wasn't it? Done bit by bit, inch by inch, boil the frog. This is an article now from The Guardian. And it is by Nazia Parveen, Monday the 12th of October. Hey, I like this one. England's hospitality bosses prepare legal challenge to COVID lockdowns. Industry leaders say government should show scientific basis for restrictions. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Otherwise, it would just be an arbitrary dictatorship, wouldn't you? Just an idea. Business leaders are mounting a legal challenge to the government's lockdown restrictions, which they say have decimated the hospitality industry. And uh, I I don't want to register, so I'm not going to carry on reading because I can't. Next article... Uh, that was the, this is from the Telegraph, uh, 8th of October 2020. We are starting to get the science, we are starting to get the data now. And um, it's by Sarah Napton, science editor, 8th of October. Thousands of coronavirus deaths recorded by ONS not due to COVID, new figures show. Organisation publishes figure for people who died due to virus rather than had it mentioned on their death certificate. So there you go in the Telegraph, something I've been telling you about and other articles have been telling you about for months now. This is the 14th episode of Beyond the News, so a nice little reminder of that. The tests are dodgy, the antibody tests are dodgy, 
the death numbers are dodgy and countries that went the Swedish route and states that went the Swedish route are comparable death rates with ours <clears throat> even with the well who knows with the numbers now uh, but of course nowhere near the economic damage or curtails of freedom and liberty and they're not passing bills to rape and torture people This is our next article, again from The Guardian. Boris Johnson is using the Covid crisis as a pretext for a power grab by Gina Miller, 7th of October. Under cover of the pandemic, his inner circle is sidelining elected MPs and pushing through laws with no scrutiny. <laughs> Perhaps the MPs that stand up to him will get a visit from those new food, stage food standards agency officers. You got a real pretty mouth! The coronavirus pandemic is proving to be a cover for, cover for Boris Johnson's government to seize powers that are without precedent during peacetime. I am becoming more convinced over time that some in his government and advisers saw the virus early on not only as a health crisis, but also an opportunity to push ahead with their plans to diminish Parliament's sovereignty, row back on the, yeah, row back on the rule of law, and hollow out our hard-won rights. Ultimately, the aim is to solidify more power in the hands of the Prime Minister and a select few of his inner circle. And it seems to be going on in other countries around the world, and the people doing this seem to her having the same sort of friendships and mixing with the same sort of groups but I'll leave that for you to do your own research on that one another little statistic for you here that's been coming out this is Saturday the 10th of October I just want you to put the, those two statistics back to back really and the fact that you know not all deaths that were recorded as Covid died of Covid just you know they died within 28 days of having a test which may or may not have been accurate I'm not saying this whole thing's a hoax, I'm just saying it's blown out of proportion. Uh, but just remember this as well, when you're uh, next time you're scared for your life of this virus. Average age of coronavirus fatalities is 82. Saturday, October the 10th. The average age of those who have died from coronavirus in England and Wales since the start of the pandemic is 82.4 years old. Using data from the Office for National Statistics, researchers at the University of Oxford found that the median age of COVID-19 fatality was slightly higher than the median age of those who died of other causes over the same period, which was 81.5. So it's slightly less deadly, based on average age of death. But that, I mean, that's not necessarily an indicator, you know, statistics and all that kind of stuff. But you know where I'm going with that. You see my point, right? I'm not a doctor, but you get my point, right? Our next article here tonight, going back to The Guardian. little something to remember. Rupert Neat. If there was a conspiracy, why would they do it? They destroyed their own businesses. Billionaires' wealth rises to 10.2 trillion amid COVID crisis. Super-rich increase fortunes by more than a quarter during market turmoil. That means during the virus. <laughs> Wednesday the 7th of October. So, you know, only a week or so ago. The world's billionaires did extremely well during the coronavirus pandemic, growing their already huge fortunes to a record high of 10.2 trillion. Of course, if things were to get even worse... And I assume these, that would continue. Like I said, have a look at who these politicians introducing their draconian measures are. Have a go and look at who their, who their friends are. That would be my little thing. Uh, I'll throw a little uh, oddball curve at you here. Non-virus related makes a change, doesn't it? I'd love to live in a time where, um, you know, you won't have to read about all our civil liberties being around. Well, perhaps I shouldn't change the time, just change the country and move to Sweden or South Dakota. A real-life space oddity. Asteroid hurtling towards Earth may be a piece of rocket that was jettisoned during attempted moon landing in 1966. A telescope discovered... Oh, telescope discovered asteroid 2020 SO 
hurtling towards Earth last month. Now scientists believe the object is part of an Atlas Centaur 7 rocket from 1966, the rocket propelled NASA's Surveyor 2 to the Moon, so that's NASA's Surveyor 2 to the Moon, before going into orbit. This is by the Mail Foreign Service, 11th of October. As any school pupil will be able to tell you, what goes up must come down, except lockdowns, obviously, but it doesn't usually take 54 years. Back in 1966, the NASA team behind an attempted moon landing thought they would never see their rocket again after it was swept into the sun's orbit. Now, however, it would appear to be hurtling back towards Earth at 1,500 miles per hour. A telescope in Hawaii discovered the mysterious object last month. It's estimated to be about 26 foot long, roughly the length of a bus. It was initially thought to be an asteroid and was given the name Asteroid 2020 SO, but is now believed to be part of the Centaur rocket that propelled America's Surveyor 2 lander to the moon 54 years ago. And it goes on, but as most of the articles do, but I always say to people, you can find the articles on my Facebook page, Beyond the News, if you want to see all them for yourself. And uh, I really want to bring up that South Dakota article now, so let me dig out. From the from the archive and see if the the computer wants to load it in a timely fashion. Uh, while I do that, I'd like to just reiterate the email address. If you've got any articles or comments or, on the show, oh, I tell you what, I'd also like to hear. Do uh, people what what sort of percentage of people do you know that want a second lockdown again and think it's a good idea? I'd be interested to know that. Um, that statistic. So this is from Yahoo News, October the 6th. Governor Christy Noam issues claim that South Dakota has proven a point during COVID-19 pandemic. Lockdowns are useless. So Sweden's a different culture. Well, you know, I know America's a different culture and South Dakota's a different culture, you know, but it's not that different. Not enough to make you go, I don't know, do you know what? It's different enough to make me risk the entire economy, shut it down and com completely ruin it, our way of life. Yeah, I think it's different enough, isn't it? I mean, even if they were space aliens, you'd go, well, I don't know, I don't, might, as well, might as well go the route without tyranny and economic poverty, mightn't you? I mean, at least try that first. Um, I mean, by the way, I don't knock the lockdown for the first two weeks, really, because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But after that first two weeks, I think it was pretty clear. But after that first two weeks, all the rumours about the um, the sending them to the sending the COVID patients to the nursing homes, causing number spikes there, deaths to and from that we just talked about in the Telegraph. There, that was starting to emerge. Um, you know, you you're speaking around loved ones and going, oh, I don't know anyone that's died. I don't know anyone that's died. Or uh, so and so knows someone that so and so has died, but I think it was pneumonia anyway. They're not sure. Um, so yeah, you know you know what I mean. Governor Christy Noam claimed Monday that South Dakota has given the rest of the country an example and the world of how to navigate a pandemic without heavy-handed government mandates. During a special legislative session in Pierre Noam, Noah told lawmakers that while her resistance to statewide stay-at-home orders has drawn criticism, it's also provided a different approach to managing the pandemic than those taken in other states and countries. I added countries, not the article. As you all might imagine, these last seven months have been quite lonely at times, Noam said, but earlier this week, well, not as lonely for the, as the Chinese welded shut in their apartments, I'd have thought. But anyway, I like Noam. But anyway, this week... One very prominent national reporter sent me a note that said, Governor, if you hadn't stood against lockdowns, we'd have no proof of just how useless they really have been. Noam spoke after South Dakota's worst month yet during the pandemic. The Mount Rushmore state has consistently broken records in recent weeks for new and active cases, hospitalizations, and the number of people killed by COVID-19. If we keep failing to take this pandemic seriously, 200,000 lives more will be lost by the end of the year, said Dennis Carroll, who led the pandemic unit at the Federal Agency for the International Development for nearly 15 years. Fact-denying rhetoric from the President and the South Dakota Governor only ensures these deaths will come, even with better treatments. 
South Dakota received $1.25 billion in federal funds through the CARES Act to provide some relief for those hurt by the pandemic, while NOAM has marked hundreds of millions for local and state government schools, nearly $600 million remains untapped. So there you go. There are, I'd be interested to know exactly what those death rates are because we've, they don't cite them, do they? You know, by, if we keep 200,000 more lives will be lost by the end of the year. I, I don't think so. Are they with, from? I don't see it. The, num the actual evidence of, you know, COVID killed them, not a comorbidity factor. We've covered that before. Was it 90-odd percent? I can't remember off the top of my head. Go look back at our other archives of Beyond the News. Go and, well, no, look, listen. But yeah, there's an example of it. Go, go and look around South Dakota, see if it looks like a, a plague has just destroyed the town. All these predictions, test results, things. Are there bodies in the streets? And what happened to those bodies in the streets in China, by the way? All those videos of those people having convulsions. I haven't seen anything like that once it come out of China. Things that make you go, hmm. Eh? Right, let's bring up some more articles for you here. So again, you know, a little bit more resistance coming from uh, around the world. I should probably just check uh, the time on uh, what I've done here. So uh, now I've lost the article, now I'll check the time. Again, where's that edit button? Right, let's try and load up a, another article for you here. This will be another article, hopefully, from across the pond, from Forbes, talking about how people are starting to go, do you know what? I'll have, the, I'll, I'll have the cold. No, no, no. I don't want to lose my business. Give me the cold. I'll have the sniffles. I'll take my zinc, my vitamin D, and my chances of survival with a 99% rate. Thank you. Let's not destroy the entire world economy and cause much, much more death as a result of food supply, shutdowns and poverty. Just an idea. Daniel Cassidy, Forbes staff. This is from 3rd of September, but I missed it. First time round. Restaurants in New York State filed a two billion dollar class action lawsuit against city and state officials on Thursday, alleging the indoor dining ban caused irreparable harm to the city's food and beverage industry and pushing for a return to indoor dining. The lawsuit marks the latest attempt to normalise the city through legal action. Have you seen the videos of uh, New York and people leaving New York and uh, California for that matter as well? These people living under these um, democratic fascism. I'm not certain who the, what, uh, what the South Dakota governor is. I don't know. I think she's Republican, but I don't know. Didn't check that. Don't think I saw it in the article. They usually have like an R or a D before. Maybe I missed it. And I've, uh, I've already deleted it to make room for other articles now. Speaking of other articles, this is from The Spectator. And by Matt Ridley. Students who, uh, this is 17th of October, oh, from magazine issue 17th of October 2020. What day is it today? I swear it's before that. This is me walking away to check the phone. It's the 16th of October. Oh, clearly the spectator has a TARDIS. Uh, trying to think ahead. In They're behind us in the United States as well, aren't they? Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Where is this from? I don't know. Anyway, does it matter? I don't know. Maybe there's a date there next issue for all I know. I've never read from The Spectator before. But anyway, I'll read it out for you anyway. So, uh, when it was written, uh, tomorrow, that's when it was written. It is counterintuitive, but the current spread of COVID may on balance be the least worst thing that could happen now. In the absence of a vaccine and with no real prospect of eradicating the disease, the virus spreading among younger people, mostly without hitting the vulnerable, is creating immunity that will eventually slow the pandemic. The second wave is real, but it is not like the first. It could be a mistake to tackle it with compulsory lockdowns, even if called circuit breakers. Um, <laughs> business breakers, more like. Whether national or local, the cure would be worse than the disease. Well, well, that's what I've been saying for like every episode of Beyond the News. I was saying it from pretty much the third episode of Cruise, I would say, as well, like mid-April, 
So you can go and listen to my work before Beyond the News from about April by visiting the Facebook page Craig Campbell News. That's my podcast partner, Craig Campbell, is seen on multiple television shows. We do a podcast together. Uh, and we're going to be doing some more future works together in November as well. Looking forward to that. Let's bring up uh, another article here. Again, we're going to stay with news or, or revisit news from across the pond here. Um, I, I love it that uh, Facebook is starting to all do all that censorship stuff and the news suddenly becomes that Facebook is censoring it because it's just so there. Wednesday the 14th of October. That's 2020, just in case you think we're from The Spectator again, travelling back in time. Facebook, Twitter, make editorial decisions to limit distribution of story, claiming to show smoking gun emails related to Biden and his son. Salvador Rodriguez. Facebook and Twitter decided to limit the distribution of a New York Post story that claims to show smoking gun emails related to Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and his son, the editorial decision to reduce the spread of the story, which provides minimal evidence, is a significant one for Facebook. The social media company has long professed to stand for freedom of speech and rejected the idea to be an arbiter of truth, uh, while they've censored uh, numerous people and um, shadow banned numerous people and changed all their algorithms uh, on a weekly basis, it seems. Uh, yeah. And... Their share price knows it. I'm on Gab. You can come find me on Gab. I'm on VK. You can come find me on there. Those are two social media sites that, um, you know, don't have their little fact checkers. And again, you know, you go and look at who finances the fact checkers. And it's just like Orwell's Ministry of Truth with like multiple conflicts. On uh, Go and listen to my previous podcast on that one. I've covered that, you know, um, before. So... There is an argument here. Well, no. Either Facebook seems to be a, either Facebook is non-editorial, or they're a publisher. And man, there are massive legal implications for those two, as far as I'm aware. And just like a free speech platform, and or being well, well no, we'll, we'll, we'll push this. And there's a big difference between publisher and editor, um, and just being a platform. Huge legal difference, I believe. But I'm not a lawyer, I'm a news repeater monkey. But I wanted to say there was a, you can say, well, we're coming into election era now. Do we really want stories like this coming around that could help influence an, an election? Well, if they're fraudulent, have them investigated properly and proved to be, that should benefit the candidate if it turns out to be false, wouldn't it? And if it is true and there is corruption, wouldn't we want to know about that before he's president rather than after? And... To anyone that thinks, you know, the, well, whew, you've got to keep crimes like that a secret not to interfere the election. I, I disagree with that point. And at what point do you go, what crimes then? What can they get away with? And what do you think shouldn't? You know, what does running for president give you the right to do? Hopefully it's not along the lines of what our government wants to do to us in the articles earlier when they send those new food standards agency officers round. Just another little thought earlier about all those billionaires and, you know, all the difference from COVID and all that kind of stuff. You know, oh, they're the only ones making money. How do they do it? Well, I just want to bring up a nice little article for you here. For, again, from the Guardian here today. And it's from Mark Sweeney. Wednesday the 14th of October, Amazon to escape UK digital services tax that will hit smaller traders. Because smaller traders are doing so well right now and Amazon's doing so badly, what with everyone ordering online and everything. Yep, let's just kick them in the nuts again. US tech companies, third party sellers face a 2% rise in the amount they pay. Amazon will not have to pay the UK's new digital services tax on products. It will sell it sells directly to consumers, but small traders who sell products on its site will face increased charges. Oh, so fair, so so pro small business, so anti corporations. Ah, oh, the conservatives they conserve our small businesses so well these days, don't they? Mm. And another example of the government. 
caring about us. Here's what here's what they think of us. Again, another little article that hopefully will load without a problem here. This is by Bloomberg. And it's about food. Hopefully it will be. Yeah. Again, 8th of October 2020. UK won't ban import of food put. Uh, let me read that again. UK won't ban import of food produced to lower farm standards. International Trade Secretary Liz Truss speaks in Parliament. The UK government said it won't ban food imports produced under inferior farming standards, saying the move would hurt farmers in developing countries. Screw our farmers, though. They're the, they're, don't worry about them. Pressed by the opposition Labour Party on whether Britain will forbid the import of US pork produced in conditions banned in the UK, International Trade Secretary Liz Truss rejected a blanket ban. All right, British farmers, you can't do it. Uh, but another nation, you can do it and we'll bring it in. And at the same time, we'll lecture on climate change while we, while we have it shipped in or flown in as well. Um, I imagine, again, I'm a news repeater monkey, so I'm just going to throw stuff out there. But I would have thought it along the lines of shoving some chemicals on it as a preservative so you can, so it don't go off as quick, make a bit more, few quid. I don't know. Who knows? What's in it? I don't know. Doesn't say. Do we really know? Maybe that's why it's a lower standard. This is the lower standard stuff. Why? What's wrong with it? Well, we don't know. That's why it's the lower standard. If you want all the organic stuff, you've got you know you've got to order that from certain places. The lower standard stuff. Oh, it tastes all right. Yeah, but what's in it? Oh, I don't know. How is it grown? I don't know. Yum yum. Right. I think that is coming up to the end of my time here. Uh, beyond the news. Oh, there's time for a couple more articles, I think. Especially if I don't give my opinions on them. Um, this is just backing up again what we were saying last week about Matt Hancock. Uh, go and listen to it. I'm not going to. It annoys me to even think of him. But he was talking about vitamin D, and this is the Irish Times again. Vitamin D deficit linked to COVID-19 severity considerable. And that's Monday, October the 5th. By all means, go and have a look at Matt Hancock's opinion. He's always so right about everything else. Our next one is an article, I think it's about herd immunity again. It's from the Telegraph. It's currently loading up now. Life can go back to normal if we make it our common goal to achieve herd immunity. We have a relatively clear picture of who's at risk. Let's isolate them from harm while the majority of people conduct normal lives here, here. Uh, let's definitely not send COVID patients into the nursing homes that are known for it and that causes death so that the uh, loved ones end up suing. We've covered that before. Um, let's get him, give them some vitamin D, some zinc. And also uh, the libertarian in me would also I don't know if this is even practical, and I've not worked in the industry, so far be it for me to make um, suggestions to people that I have no idea about their jobs. I'm just talking about a theory here. What if nursing homes in a local area got together and went, right, which are you... you know, I know different patients in different homes and living like that, but what if... What if you could do a little swap, if you had like the same standards and you could get your heads together and you could actually work it out? What if you could go, right, to the old people, we respect you and your decisions and we respect how you want to live the last years of your life. We're, we've teamed up with a second nursing home around town and we've decided one nursing home's going to keep the doors open and you take your chances. You're in the high risk category. The average age of their coronavirus death is 82, and some of you are older than that, and some of you are near it. You need to know that. Here's the facts. And the other group, yeah, we're going to shield you away. So it's up to you. You want to take your chances and visit your loved ones, or you want to, you know, because like I said, this virus is a real threat to old people. Never think that I haven't said that. But I've also said that the cure is worse than the virus for everyone else under the age of 70 
So how about that? Nurse, two nurse, all you, you take, you know, with those two nursing homes and maybe a huge, I don't know, maybe only one would want to take their chances and everyone else in the nursing home. Do you know what I mean? But if you could get your head together and say, right, there's enough to do it. That Do you want to live your life, see your loved ones, see your grandkids? Could it be done? I honestly don't have an answer for that. I'm just throwing out an idea. And like I said, I've not worked in the industry. The logistics of it would be a nightmare. But I'm just thinking, you know, if this is going to be a long-term thing, let's think about quality of life. That is my time. Thank you very much for listening to Beyond the News. You can email me beyondthenews at protonmail.com. Thanks very much for listening.